Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. My dad used to tell me that the ripples on the water were a representation of our life. It's important to pursue a relationship with your Heavenly Father. Every time that stone hits the water, it affects the area around it. Is that the people in our lives? Can be. See, I had an earthly father who was never around. Do you want to talk about your father? Nothing to talk about. And at the center of each circle, is a choice we make. Why'd you steal that money? How's this all turning out for you? Trying to make the best of this situation. In the situation you created coming into my house and pointing a gun at me. You better watch it, old man. Be careful where you're walking. Okay, I'm in charge. So this is your idea of being in charge, huh? A call from the neighbor said they might have seen someone in the woods in connection with a warehouse robbery in town. Guard tagged him on the way out, so he might be looking for a place to shack up. How long you lived out here? Long time. You ever get scared of being alone? I ain't scared of much. Being alone ain't one of them. Well, we want to know who your new friend is. What's your name? All right, time now. to go. We're not looking for no trouble. You stay here and you'll find it. You gotta think about your decision, the effect it has on others. On yourself. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 353. Releasing in cinemas across the US on June 17 as a one-off Fathom event is A Father's Legacy, a drama that stars Tobin Bell as a secluded old man whose isolated existence in the woods is broken when a young man on the run from the law forces his way into his life. A story about faith, family, and redemption, A Father's Legacy is a beautifully portrayed and crafted film that also marks the feature film directorial debut of Jason Mack, who also wrote, produced, and starred in the movie. And I'm glad to say that joining me now on the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is Jason Mack himself to talk about A Father's Legacy. Jason, I thank you very much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to be on the podcast. And I'm very excited to have you. I think the first thing I need to talk about is that, as I mentioned in my introduction, you wrote this film, you produced it, you directed it, you starred in it. <laughs> this is a movie, movie of much personal and economic investment and, and then some. And, you know, I like to do a deep dive into my, uh, who I'm interviewing. I like to listen to every podcast, read every interview. And, and I read and I heard that um, this movie was inspired by the the passing of your own father. Um, I was curious about how, you know, people deal with grief in many ways. How did you dealing with grief and the remembrance of your father kind of turn into a genesis of a movie? What did it start off with just maybe some writings in a journal stuff and develop into a script? Or did you think to yourself, you know, I am a filmmaker. You've had a lot of, a bunch of shorts beforehand and this is opportunity me to express myself in regards to what you were feeling at that moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was it was interesting because when he passed, I remember at the time I lived in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, and I still live in Los Angeles. But 
um, and my family's back in South Carolina. So I went back and we were fortunate enough to be able to say goodbye as a family. And I very distinctly remember talking to the ICU nurse at, outside of the hospital room and, um, and just kind of telling her, I was like, I feel like my DNA is changing. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like this, this shift in, in like the core of, of me, it, which is wild because it's not like I had like family dinners every Tuesday or I was hanging out at the, the, you know, my childhood home all the time. It's like, I literally couldn't call one person from across the country. And, um, but that person just so happened to be just one of my earthly guardians. And I was very fortunate to, I did have two very supportive parents. Um, but at the time professionally too, is really when I had done a bunch of shorts, I had, uh, I'd written a few feature scripts and, um, and I knew the next step for me was going to be to make a feature. And in the process or in the time period after, after my dad passed, I was really exploring like, why, like, what is that shift in me? And trying to acknowledge the feelings that I was having versus just burying them down and just trying to work through it. Right. And just kind of ignore it, uh, which is, you know, at least that's what a lot of men in the U S do is uh, they don't ever deal with what they're actually feeling. And, um, and I remember it kind of clicked for me that, that father son stories and movies and TV had always like really resonated with me. It always just hit me. And I started asking what, what does a father mean to a son and what is a son to a father and, and really reflecting on that. And, and those themes are really the foundation of the movie. And it just really came at the crossroads of my personal and professional life of is I know I want to tell a feature. What would I tell? What story do I want to tell? And then just dealing with, with this in my personal life and Ultimately, I started writing. I remember the first script was about, it was only like 42 pages, mm. which, is, which is really short. I mean, you know, a normal script is probably what, 90 to 120 pages. Um, and, uh, and that was really the core of it. And I just kind of started fleshing it out from there. And I was just like, I have to tell this story. It's just, it's, there's something about it that I have to tell. And also, it, it came at a time and I, you know, and, and I do think it was, somewhat not his passing but kind of the passion of this project was in a sense a little bit of a of a gift in a sense because i refuse to be told no Hmm. and this industry is a lot of kind of waiting for permission yep and um and that's how i came into it as an actor and you just kind of like well i hope hope someone likes my audition and they hire me to be on their show um, and the other scripts I had written, I, I needed more money to make it, you know, I was like, there's, there's like some stunts and da da da, And so it's, there was going to be, I'm gonna have to wait for someone to fund this. I'm not going to be able to swing this on my own. So when I was writing this story, I was like, one, this is very clearly, this is my love letter to my father. It's my reflections. And I couldn't put more of myself in this if I tried and I refused to be told no. I don't care if we have $10, $10,000 or 10 million. And I, I wrote it based on our family's property. So that, that pond house you see in that nature, that's my family's pond house. And I was like, 
I'm definitely going to be able to shoot there. <laughs> you know, family's not going to say no. And uh, money wise, I was just, I didn't care. I was, I, I was going to make it happen with whatever we had. And that's kind of really how it came about was a story that meant enough to me where I got to get it out no matter what. And just being in the professional place of this is also was the next step for me. Like, you know, just the, the timing of everything really kind of collided. And in a sense, you know, looking back on it now, we shot this film, Matthew, in like 2018. Yeah. So it's been three, three years since we filmed it, even more since I wrote it. And um, what's been really wild is I feel like there's even more of me in this film than I had originally thought. Mm -hmm. Just as I've learned, I mean, in the time, I got married probably three months before I went off to go shoot this movie. So now I've had three years of married life under my belt, um, which, <laughs> you know, you definitely, you definitely learn about yourself through yes. that process of being Absolutely. married, <laughs> you know, when you're right and wrong and, you know, when you're single, you're always right. <laughs> and when you're married, you're not right as much and, and you really have to learn and compromise. And, and, um, and so looking back, I'm like, man, there's a, there's a lot more of me in that film than I even realized at the time. And I think it's, it's, it's been really beautiful to see it, but probably the coolest thing is, I mean, from, from the time that we're talking right now, the movie comes out in like five days hmm. and it's, what's cool about that is it's just been mine for the past like four or five years. And in five days, it's not, it's, it's not just going to be mine. It's going to be everyone who's seen it. It's going to be yours and whatever you take from it. And it's going to be whoever sees it in theaters and when it comes out in their homes and that's, uh, and that's why we make it. But to kind of draw this, I went down a tangent for you, but at the end of the film, there's a picture of my father yes, holding a fish at the pond where we shot. And, um, and, and my dad was kind of a ham bone <laughs> and, uh, for, to know that his his picture is going to be on like 700 and some screens in the US is uh it it just puts a big grin on my face and i just i just know he's seen it from somewhere and um and uh it's going to be a pretty special moment your film is very much an independent film and talking to a lot of independent filmmakers over the years oftentimes the casting of a named person in a pivotal role can make or break a movie in regards to funding, especially in regards to distribution. Um, and you've got a great actor in, in Topin Bell playing the role of Billy, who's the um, the older man I was talking about in, in the introduction. Now, people know Topin Bell, of course, for the Saw movies and, and mm -hmm. what he did in that movie. People tend to forget he's been a character actor for decades now. Oh, he's brilliant. Uh, I remember seeing him in Mississippi Burning. I remember seeing him in Seinfeld, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Seinfeld episode as well. Um when you first come across the idea of, of Tobin Bell uh, in your role, um, what was your reaction to that? Because watching him in this performance, in this role, it just seems like it was very much meant to be. Right. I mean, and, I, and I'll tell you a couple of stories along that, and, and I think you'll appreciate them. But when I wrote the script, I, I really, obviously, I, you know, I had some dreams in my head and stuff like that. But um, one of the smartest things that <laughs> I wouldn't say I necessarily decided to do, but ultimately I stumbled into it was I got a casting director, um, yep. Matthew Seifik, who 
who knew me as an actor from the Southeast. And he was, he was generous enough to respond to the script and be like, yeah, I think this is an important story and, 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 you know, I'll help you out. And so we're like, well, if we're going to take a shot, let's take a shot. So we went to Los Angeles out to uh, managers and agents just with our parameters. Like, Hey, here's the, you know, here's the union agreement we're going to be shooting under. Here's kind of like the, you know, the gist of the, of the story. And we got a list back of people who, you know, potentially would be open to it. Mm-hmm. And um, that list was really interesting. There was a lot of names on there that really surprised me. But from the time we got that list and I saw Tobin's name, that was the most interesting one to me because we know him as, I mean, arguably the most iconic villain of, of, of modern horror. Yes. And, um, and it's a billion dollar worldwide franchise and like definitely different than, <laughs> than what, what people would think. And uh, I was like, I watched some of his other stuff and his voice is undeniable. It's yeah. got this, this weight to it, but also you just look at him and, and Tobin's not trying to be 20 years younger. Tobin's being Tobin and you look at his face and you see the creases and the wrinkles in his face. And it's like, this guy's lived a life. He's experienced life and, and, that was something that we needed in the character. We can't have some fresh faced old man out in the woods, you know, that wouldn't have worked. So I was like, Tobin's the guy. So I remember meeting him. It was, it was, it felt very Hollywood. So I drove down to Santa Monica, pretty much the beach. And I met him on a cafe and, and I'm not, I'm not super, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I knew this was not a meeting where I was approving Tobin. This was very much, is he going to come play with me in South Carolina? And uh, no one knows who I am. I've never directed a feature before, which is another whole thing when you're acting and directing with someone. Is he going to trust me? Mm. And, And we just hung out all afternoon and we just talked. And I listened to him and we talked about the story and what it meant to me and the story that I wanted to tell and how I wanted to tell it. And uh, ultimately we left that meeting just, um, yeah, we're going to do it. He's going to, you know, he came to South Carolina and, um, and, and trusted me to tell this story. And I can't, and I'm so thankful because there's so many, we talk about independent film and especially Mm -hmm. older actors. And, um, you know, there's a lot of paycheck. There's a lot of older paycheck actors out there. Yep. And you pretty much pay their rate and they'll show up and be in your movie and they'll probably do something good because they're, you know, there's a reason that they're known. Yep. Tobin is a craftsman. I mean, he had notes on the script, like scenes he wasn't even in. He's like, hey, what about this? I have a question about this. So he was, I mean, he was diving into this. And um, and he showed up to set every day just ready to work. He wanted to make everything real. And he could have gone, he could have made more money going to work in like a day on criminal minds. You know what I mean? So it's like, it wasn't a paycheck job. Like it just, that was never going to happen for us. Mm. And I remember I was over at his place before we went off to South Carolina to shoot. And he goes off into a back room, he comes out and he sets this figurine down in front of me. And it's the, the doll from Saw, the little creepy doll on the bike yep do you know that doll's name billy billy yep and he asked me he's like do you know and i'm like i i not off the top of my head and he was like billy 
<laughs> and um, which, which I was like, oh man, that's wild, dude. And it was also cool that like, that was a connection he made. And then um, there was another story uh, and this happened like two, three weeks ago. So I'm, I'm prepping the film for the, the theatrical release. And I had to go make some tweaks to some ratios and you're probably not going to believe me, but I don't know if you noticed this in the opening scene or in the opening scenes of the film, the old man's putting together a puzzle in his pond house. Uh, you know, I didn't realize that. And when I was doing my research, it came up in another podcast. I was like, yeah. God damn, I didn't, I didn't really think of that when I was watching it. Um, and I think <laughs> not drawing the parallels there said much about, you know, the investment in the film as well. I mean, at that point I was kind of invested more in the character, but the connections are, you know, I don't know how you are with coincidence, but I'm not really a big coincidence person. I'm more of kind of like a, uh, I am a Christian myself, so I, I have a belief in a, in a higher power and a higher, you know, the paths that come from that. So I'm not a big coincidence person. So once you're looking back at all those kind of uh, parallels there to yeah. another work, you must have been kind of like uh, taken aback by just how it all kind of worked out for you. Oh, I said, I took a picture of the screenshot with Jigsaw and I was like, People are going to, people will never believe us that we didn't intend to do this, but it was literally like, what would this old man do in the pond house while he's alone out there? And we, at, it, we're, I'm at my mother's house and I'm like, here's some puzzles. Let's use this one. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and it was like, it was literally meant to be. And I think that's so, and looking back, I can't imagine anyone else who would have just brought the sincerity, the, the authenticity to the role and just, uh, I mean, he truly cared. And he's still, and, and, and this has been one of my favorite stories the past few days. I literally messaged him a few days ago, and I think very highly of him on a personal level as well. And I just messaged him and said, hey, you've gone through this experience. You've released many films. You got any advice for me? <laughs> he texted me back the next morning, this long text message. And it was, it was from his character, Billy, from the film. And it was like, you know, how I owed him beer and to make sure to put the pickles in the fridge. And it was, it was a really long message, but it just goes to show it's like that character still lives with him. That's, that's how invested he was. It's not like he can't remember what happened when we filmed. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't speak highly enough about Tobin. In many ways, you could say that a father's legacy is a faith-based film. I think it goes beyond that though. There are, you know, I, I like I mentioned before, I'm a Christian, so I get a lot of faith-based films set to me mm -hmm. to, to watch and such. I find the most successful ones are the ones that really strike that perfect balance between, you know, service to the word and service to the film story as well. You can't have one kind of overlap the other. And I yeah. think what you've done really well with A Father's Legacy is kind of get that balance. Um, how do you achieve that? Is that in the script? Is that in editing? Because I know I, I am I correcting that your initial cut of the film was like two hours forty five. Did you have yeah. a, did you have yeah. a lot more of that in it, and you kind of took it back a little bit to make sure that the service to the stories there as much as it is towards the kind of spiritual implications of these characters? Yeah, you know, and to be completely honest, I never set out to necessarily make a faith based film. Yeah, right. I wrote this story. It was my reflections on, on, you know, what a father is, but also in my experience and my walk, it is, you know, what is my experience like with this higher power, with God and my relationship in prayer and mm -hmm. what are my struggles with? So for me, if you're going to talk about fathers, there, there's also a discussion about 
essentially a heavenly father. Yes. And, and that's just real to me. And so I put that in, but I knew right out of the gate, I was like, look, we're not, we're not making a, a, a down the middle, right in the center of the target Christian film. And I was very open with that. And I was like, I don't like, that could be a really dangerous thing because we're making this film and we could be rejected by people who have faith and we could very, you know, we'll be rejected by the people who aren't interested in, in that. So it's like, but it's true to me. And I, and I had to do that, but also I wanted to present two characters who, what I, I thought they were real. I think this is how they speak. I think if you go to the, into the South and you go into a hardware store, this is how they're going to talk. This is how they're going to walk. They're flawed. Neither one of them is perfect, which was really important for me because we've all made mistakes in our lives, some bigger than others. And at some point along the way, we've probably discounted ourselves. Yeah. And we've said, Hey, listen, I, I can't help or I can't make an impact because I, I, I've made this mistake. And, 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 and so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cut off and, and that's not the case. And I don't think that's how the God that I believe in, that's not how it works mm-hmm. is broken, broken people serve sometimes the greatest purposes. Yep. And so when we did have that two hour and 45 minute cut and we were cutting it down, my rule as a filmmaker, as a storyteller is story first. And, and I try to really be cold blooded with that. Really, truly, I, I have no desire to make a message film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't have much emotional investment in those when I'm watching them. I want to tell a story about people that we potentially are going to you know, really be able to relate to and, and, and hopefully love in some form or fashion. So I try to be really cold blooded. So when we were cutting it down, it was just, um, you know, it's getting the point across and respecting your audience. But it was really about how can we serve this story um, in, a, in a pacing way, which is a really big deal. Um, and, and also just getting the message across without standing there and hanging a lantern on it, you know. Um, and ultimately, you know, this was an independent film in, in the truest sense, and I had every bit of control over it. Um, I didn't have to, I mean, I didn't have to answer to anyone for, <laughs> for, be- for better or worse, I guess. Yep. So every frame, there's no compromise. It's exactly what I think is in there to make the best film possible and to get the, you know, the best story told. A lesson that I took from the movie is something I'm a big proponent of, and that is the importance of, of fatherhood, but not only in regards to a biological standpoint. I'm talking mm-hmm. also about just male role models, mentors, yeah. uncles, godparents, um, teachers, etc. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in the movie which is very prominent in the marketing material and the trailer as well of yourself and Tobin's characters throwing stones across a river and Tobin's character, Billy, talking about how it is, the, as we see the, the rock skim across the river and it creates the ripples, it talks about decisions that we make in our life and the ramifications of those decisions. And I think the way that you really approach that kind of uh, that kind of metaphor, the kind of lesson in the movie, I mean, there's one scene in the movie I don't want to give away, but there's kind of like a, uh, you see your character undergo a certain, a certain um, experience that could show what would happen, you know, if a certain thing did happen and what type of ramifications they could have. When it comes to something like that, that kind of life lesson, is that something that you learned organically 
over the years? Or is that something that maybe your father passed on to you or another father figure passed on to you as you were growing up? Yeah. You know, I was very fortunate to, you know, I had a father who was present and who was there. I also was, was very athletic. I mean, I wanted to be probably until the age of 16, 17, I wanted to be a professional tennis player. Really? So, yeah. And, um, and I worked hard enough. Uh, I would wake up before school at, you know, 5 a.m., go hit serves at 6 a.m., and then, and then go, to, go to high school. Um, the problem was I wasn't good enough. <laughs> so, you know, as much as I may have wanted it or, or worked towards it, I just wasn't good enough. It wasn't in the cards for me. And, um, and I played a couple years in college as well. But, you know, so I was very fortunate to have coaches mm. along the way who were investing in me and whether they know that they were investing in me as a young man or in my future or just in an athletic perspective, what that taught me was if you want something, you have to work towards it. You, you can't win all the time. Yeah. Most of us can't win all the time. And so when you lose, what can you learn from it? You have to get back up. They taught me hopefully how to, you know, how to lose a little bit more respectfully and, um, and how to win graciously. And those are lessons I think that have, have informed me very, very much. Um, and uh, so there's, so a story about my dad and he never knew this. And, and uh, you know, if my mom ever listens to some of these, these interviews, she'll probably hear this for the first time. So my dad was like the vice president of operations at like a convenience store. Yep. And so he was pretty high up in this, you know, Southeastern chain and, and uh, well, the company got bought by another company, which usually means things are going to change. And um, after a while, he lost his job. So I remember, and we were like the definition of, of a middle class family. Uh, and as, as a kid, like I never, you know, I wasn't ever worried about money. Like it, we had what we, we needed. Um, you know, I, I thought we were comfortable, but you know, I really don't know. I mean, my parents, they didn't really include the kids in the financial conversations. So I remember my dad lost his job and I think it was summertime because I was home. And so it was like middle of the day, maybe the morning. And I look outside the kitchen window and my dad's outside. It's got the paper open, looking, looking for jobs, calling people that maybe he's known and he's looking for the next job. I never heard him complain. Um, and maybe he did, maybe him and my mother, you know, probably definitely talked about it. Um, or maybe he vented to her, but you know, if our finances were affected, I never knew it. And mm. what that taught me was, you know, he viewed his role very much as a provider for the family and yeah, it sucked. He was good at his job and now it was gone. Well, okay. What do you have to do now? And, and that was a lesson that you know, he didn't necessarily intend to teach me that, but it was just something I noticed. Um, and that was a, you know, that's a pretty big lesson, especially in this life, because I feel like me personally, you know, I don't mind taking a swing, I've, but I also feel like I've struck out a lot. Yeah. Like there's a lot of things that I've tried that have not worked out. Um, but uh, hey, what do you have to do now? you know, on, on to the next, I guess. <laughs> Something I always um, teach my sons is that, you know, the old saying, um, uh, practice is perfect. I, I always take out the perfect. I don't believe in perfect at all. I always yeah. say practice is progress. It's all about just trying, um, doing things out there. So even 
if it doesn't work out, it's unsuccessful, it's still a lesson to be learned. It's still something there, a life experience. And I think that's really important, um, I think, for for dads, especially to teach their children. It's not about yeah. the, the end game. It's about the journey to get there. Um, and speaking of that journey, you mentioned before, 2018 is when you shot this film. Here we are, 2021, June 17, we're going to have uh, this great Davam event. Um, 750 centimetres is what I was told um, it's going to hit on on this one day. Looking back now that your film is finally out there for people to see, and I'm sure there's going to be a digital release after that as well, uh, what are your feelings like to see this um, very personal and uh, movie project of yours finally got to be out there for people to watch and to check out? It, it's becoming more and more real, uh, especially now that we're, you know, five days out, I guess. Yeah. Um, even a month ago, it, it did. I, I always, when I started hearing that the theatrical release might happen, I didn't really, I didn't really think much of it because I never thought that we would have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when we we're making the movie, I'm like, oh, it'd be great to like, you know, release the movie and make millions and millions of dollars at the box office. But realistically, that's just wasn't going to happen. And even when we signed with our distributor, uh, the theatrical actually wasn't a part of the conversation. Um, it was also in the middle of COVID. So it was like, there's no, there's no theater anyway. Yeah. Um, and fathom just, they really liked the story. And then it, as it's progressed, I'm like, Oh wow. So like, this is, this is happening. We're like, we're going to be in 700 and whatever screens for a showing. And, um, I don't really like, I honestly don't know what to feel about it. I, and, and I'm going to see it. I'm going to theaters to see it. I got my tickets um, to see it with a crowd of people because I haven't seen it with a crowd of people since we were at the Heartland Film Festival in 2019. Mm-hmm. And it was a magical experience. It was, oh, it was beautiful just to see it with people and, and, and then to have, you can see on their faces when you walk out the theater, you can just see like who it really impacted, like who it kind of struck a, a chord with. Um, I'm just, I'm so grateful. Um, I'm so honored to be in this situation. Um, and, but also it's like, I, I tag on to that because I know, you know, probably a lot of people who listen to your podcast are probably filmmakers or aspiring filmmakers themselves. Mm. And um and I want to be very, very careful because we see this and it's like, oh, first time feature, 700 theaters. It's like, yeah, but it's been years. Yeah. It's been, I mean, there were, there were distribution deals that were down to the signature page where I was like, I don't think this is right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that puts a little, a little uh, you know, lump in your throat because there wasn't necessarily a backup plan at the time. Well, for everyone out there listening, Father's Legacy, June 17, across the US um, through Fathom Events. You can actually go to fathomevents.com slash events slash a father's legacy. And you can also check out a Father's Legacy um, movie page on Facebook as well, which is really cool, um, actually. I'm a big fan of this. I'm a big fan of um, when independent filmmakers utilize social media in a way that you have. Um, I think you really 
there's consistent information always out there. There's always links to find out where you can watch the film. And I recommend people check out a father's at a father's legacy movie on Facebook because it's got all the info as well, or where you can watch the film. And I'm sure Jason, I'm not far off. I think in July or so, we're looking at home entertainment releases as well. Yeah. So in late July, we'll be uh, on, on all VOD. Uh, and so you'll be able to watch it in your homes and you can follow. Um, I don't actually, what's interesting is, I'm not personally actually on social media. I'm living that 90s life. Yes. Um, but I do have a website. I'm jasonmack.com. And I post my thoughts there every now and then and, and links to press and stuff like that. So for everyone out there listening, June 17, across US cinemas, A Father's Legacy, I highly recommend you watch this movie. It's a it's a beautiful film, Jason, and you really uh, knocked it out the park here with your feature film debut. So congratulations to you. Best of luck with the upcoming release, and hopefully we can talk again in the future for any uh, upcoming uh, films you have in the pipeline. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thank you for having me.